Hello, and welcome back to AOPA's Pilot Information Center podcast series. Our topic for this podcast is the new changes to the regulations concerning student pilot certificates. I'm Ferdy Mack with AOPA's Pilot Information Center in Frederick, Maryland. Joining me today is Justin Barkowski. Justin is AOPA's Director of Regulatory Affairs in our Washington, D.C. office. Hi there, Justin. Good morning. Morning, guys. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Also joining us today is John Collins from AOPA's Air Safety Institute. John is our Chief Flight Instructor and Manager of Aviation Safety Programs. Thanks for being here, John. Uh, thanks for having me, Freddie. Appreciate it. All right. And finally, we're also joined by Sarah Stout, one of AOPA's Aviation Technical Specialists here in our Pilot Information Center. Good morning, Sarah. Morning. All right. So let's dive right into the content here. Um, Justin, we'll start with you. We're talking about the new student pilot certificate situation. Can you paint a picture for us, please? Give me an idea of uh, what has changed and maybe a little bit of backgrounder on why these changes occurred as well. Sure. Uh, happy to do that. Um, this really started back in, in 2004 when Congress passed the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act. Uh, in that act, there was a requirement that all applicants for an FAA Airman Certificate be screened by TSA prior to the FAA issuing them a certificate. So that obviously has um, an effect on student pilot certificates because under the current process, uh, AMEs can accept applications and issue student pilot certificates uh, on the same day without any screening or anything else before the certificate is issued. So what the FAA did in 2010 was prepared a, a notice of proposed rulemaking, which was their original proposal on how to implement that 2004 act. And in that original proposal, um, they uh, made the change to require uh, student pilots to obtain a, a plastic student pilot certificate and require that they be screened before uh, the FAA would issue them a certificate. So th that's sort of how we got here. It has taken them some time to issue that final rule because again this was the, the original proposal was back in 2010 uh, the reason why it took so long is, is there were some other requirements, such as photos on pilot certificates. Um, uh, those, uh, that requirement was withdrawn, um, but it has taken some time, but it finally is here, and uh, we're, that's how we got here. So uh, can you elaborate on that word screening, since that seems to be a new, new uh, facet of the process of an airman going from zero time to holding a you know, pilot certificate? Yeah, and I think um, one of the interesting things, I think pilots uh, were not really aware that this has already been, been going on. Uh, the vetting process isn't anything new. The, um, the, the TSA uh, actually gets your biographic information or an applicant's biographic information from an a AME after uh, the AME or, or whatever other authorized individual issues them a student pilot certificate. So if you go to your, your local AME, he issues you your student pilot certificate, that information, your information is passed along to the FAA, which is then passed along to the TSA, and TSA screens and checks your information against their terrorist watch lists. And, and that's done even for 
current certificate holders on, on a weekly basis. So this isn't anything new. It's, it's currently ongoing for student pilots. Uh, the change here is that now that screening process occurs before the student pilot certificate is issued. And, and that's really the main crux of, of the change. Okay, so, so when does this take effect? April 1st, 2016. Okay. And it's not an April Fool's joke. I know you're joking, but uh, I think I overheard just yesterday uh, that we had a member contact us asking uh, that exact question, framing it right. that way. <laughs> John, can you give me an idea You know how, from both a, a student perspective and the instructor perspective, you know, how do we go about complying with these, these new rules? So from a student perspective, uh, somebody who wants to learn how to fly an airplane or any aircraft is going to go out to their airport, uh, go to the flight school, and walk in and say, hey, I'd like to learn to fly, and we'll begin that flight training process. Um, the CFI will still comply with the uh, alien flight training and citizenship validation rule where they need to take a look at uh, citizenship verification documents, make a copy of those, put an endorsement in the student's logbook that they've reviewed it, put an endorsement in his log, his or her logbook that they've reviewed it, and then maintain those records on file for a period of five years. That doesn't change. Mm -hmm. uh, probably what's going to change now is the fact that uh, the student will be introduced to the joys and wonders of IACRA <laughs> earlier in the flight training process. Normally we do that at the end when we're getting ready for the check ride. You go in, you create your account, you fill out the 8710 to take your check ride, and all's well there. You're just going to do that earlier, mm -hmm. and the CFI will, again, guide you through the process of setting up your account and then filling out the student pilot uh, 8710 and then submitting that to the FAA. So that should happen fairly early on in the flight training process. And as an instructor, the idea of introducing IACRA earlier in the mm -hmm. flow is actually a little attractive because IACRA, in my opinion, tends to be one extra layer of stress in that last day or two right before the, the, uh, the practical test takes place. So right. A whole new system to have to get into and figure out and, and fill out the application, send it to your instructor. He, the instructor finds that it's wrong, sends it back. Yeah, it's... It's a headache. So already getting one bite at the apple, having to set through IACA earlier on, right. takes it's, the fear out of it. It does. And, and there's some gotchas that you have to be careful of when you're in IACA. You know, you need to use the proper spelling. You need to have good addresses. You can't use commercial address, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. the instructor will hopefully be able to guide the applicant through that process with a minimal amount of fuss and it'll go in uh, and the FAA will take it and do their thing with it. The TSA will get their bite at it. And uh, if, if Justin's uh, folks are correct, we'll get it in three weeks or less and uh, the student can solo. The impact will, will come uh, at flight schools that provide accelerated flight training where they're taking somebody from zero to a certificate in you know, two weeks or three weeks or what have you. Uh, they're probably not going to be able to get them soloed as quickly as, as they would under their current training program. And, and not only that, uh, but Sarah, you and I had spoken earlier, you were mentioning the 141 angle there as well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, if 141 programs are set up where 
perhaps you know some are done where there's blocks of training and others you know even if it's a continuous program you typically can't just skip a lesson and, and move on so if they got to the point quickly you know, like John mentioned in those accelerated programs or even you know in a university or higher education setting if the the applicant or student quickly got to the point of solo and, and they were still waiting on their certificate to be issued that could hold up their whole training if they can't move on to the next block or you know, if it's a continuous training model, they might be able to do a, a briefing or, mm-hmm. you know, an FTD lesson ahead if that's how their system or their program is set up, but they might be stuck when it comes to their actual flight training. So, you know, one possible scenario then would be if you hit a roadblock, it might mean another semester at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't complete in time, yeah, in the higher education setting, certainly. If it held you up, and yeah, you'd have to do, and then that's, of course, all your tuition and whatnot that your higher education settings come with. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, we were talking earlier here in the Pilot Information Center, we had a member contact us with some uh, TSA uh, alien flight training program uh, questions. Uh, and just to be clear, uh, the AFSP side of things is unrelated to what we're talking about now. That's a separate thing, right? That's correct, and uh, the preliminary answer that we've received from FAA is that the uh, alien flight student program, that that will uh, remain unchanged. So there's no, um, there's no changes to that program, and any foreign student pilot will have to go through that vetting process. Uh, and then once they've received their approval from TSA, they'll proceed just as any domestic student pilot, meaning they'll have to go and get a medical certificate and then uh, apply for the student pilot certificate. Right, and, and the, the process you just uh, described is, is the order in which you would do those things. You'd you know, find a flight school, maybe get your first lesson, uh, but then have to go through AFSP and apply and get a, an approval and a training period in order to, to receive flight instruction and then proceeding forward, moving towards solo, you'd have to make sure to get your, now under the new the new guys, you'd have to make sure to get your application in through IACRA uh, to get that student pilot certificate in your wallet, right? That's correct. Okay, and heck, as a student pilot, I think it's kind of cool to be able to have a piece of plastic in my wallet, frankly. As you know, that's uh, it's a car- you're a card carrying member of the club. <laughs> it will stand up to an unexpected trip through the washing machine a lot better than the paper student <laughs> Right, and that has happened. Right, so. right. So right. yeah, that's uh, <laughs> certainly a benefit. Of course, one of the other things that's going to change is that uh, the CFI will no longer endorse the back of that certificate. Good luck writing on it, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the endorsements that used to be on the back of the student pilot certificate after April first will go into the logbook and it'll be part of that permanent record instead. Uh, the endorsements haven't really changed. Uh, there still need to be endorsed for make and model of solo flight, mm-hmm. um, type, uh, I'm sorry, category of aircraft for cross-country flight, and then you know specific cross-country flight endorsements. So those, those endorsements have not changed. They're just in the logbook now. And maybe uh, in the near future, we'll start to see logbooks from the, the usual retail vendors that have those those, so, uh, I'm, I'm sure those will be there, yes. Yeah, that would be yeah. handy. That would be yeah. handy. Mm-hmm. Especially since uh, Advisory Circular 6165E is getting more and more out of date. <laughs> uh, for those instructors out there, you, you know, there, you, there are ways you can read that 
uh, AC and then refer to the regs, and sometimes it points to a reg that doesn't exist, sometimes it refers to the wrong subsection, so yeah, that would be helpful as well. Uh, so really, uh, you know, the, the downside obviously is uh, there's, a, there's a time issue here. It's not one and done. You don't walk in and walk out and have it in your pocket. You have to wait for Oklahoma City to issue you a plastic certificate and the Postal, postal Service to deliver it to you. But uh, there's also another change. I think you mentioned to me, John, uh, they're eliminating the durations of student pilot certificates. That's correct. The student pilot certificate, like any other pilot certificate, will not have an expiration date. Um, so it'll be good forever uh, until, of course, they get their new private pilot supersedes supersedes it sure. uh, sport pilot or recreational whatever they're whatever they're going for okay and just and just a related point um, anyone who currently has a paper certificate um, after and then proceed and still doing training after April 1st the effective date they'll still be able to use that paper certificate um, the instructor won't have to endorse that paper certificate they'll only have to endorse the uh, student's logbook. So in some sense they're grandfathered forward, I, but that's not really the right word because I'm assuming that those paper holders are, are still going to be subject to the expiration dates attached to the, the old style student exactly. certificate? Right. Exactly. Okay. So paper student pilot certificate still has expiration date attached or uh, duration of ability to exercise rather, but the new plastic ones would not. Okay. Right. Uh, so moving on, so this topic, while the news of the final rule uh, has only been circulating here in, in the PIC for a few days, uh, we've already gotten a, a fair number of comments and questions and concerns from uh, instructors, from student pilots, from flight school operators. Sarah, can you uh, give me a little bit of an idea of the sorts of things that are, that are coming into to us these days? Uh, sure. Probably the most common thing I've heard is confusion with the, the TSA because um, they're reading that, oh, the TSA is going to vet them. Okay, so do I still have to do my the citizenship verification? Do mm. I still have to do AFSP if, if the TSA is taking this other look behind the scenes? And as we've discussed earlier in this discussion, the, that process hasn't changed for flight instructors. So you're still going to need your, your passport or your government-issued photo ID and birth certificate. There's a number of acceptable documents for the citizenship validation or you know, the AFSP program for foreign applicants. That's all unchanged. Uh, of course, the, the issuance time has been a hot topic. Uh, the FAA is estimating three weeks. Uh, as of yesterday, when we looked according to Airman Certification, their turnaround time was about six weeks mm -hmm. on their website. So we'll see how that goes. So um, is there an underpinning there that perhaps the, the student pilot applications wouldn't get priority? Do we have any idea about that? that that's, that's my understanding. Uh, I think the FAA, and I may be naive here, but uh, I think the FAA does appreciate uh, our concern, which we've made very vocal, that the, the turnaround time could be an issue, and so we're, we're doing everything we can to monitor the, the processing time and make sure that it is being uh, expedited and, and uh, done with, with minimal interruption to flight training. So we're hopeful that that three-week time will be less, um, but again, that's an, until it actually takes effect, we'll, we'll see what happens and uh, continue to monitor it. Okay. 
Are there any gotchas hiding in the bushes here? Is there anything we need to make doubly sure to make our members aware of? Things to consider, things to avoid? I don't no, know. I think I think it's really just a matter of planning. Um, and feel free to correct me, John, if there's anything you can think of. But I think the main thing here is uh, just planning and making sure that everyone is aware of the requirements so that, you know, people aren't, uh, or a, a student isn't, ready to solo and say, oh, shoot, you know, I forgot forgot yeah. to get that certificate and then having to wait an extended period of time. And mm. so I really think this is a matter of just being aware of the requirement and then planning accordingly. That's correct. I think the days of the uh, student soloing on their 16th birthday are probably gone uh, since they need to be 16 years old to actually hold a student pilot certificate. So uh, so what you're really saying is you would also then likely be required to be 16 at time of application as well. That's my understanding of that. Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's that's correct. That That is uh, how it stands, and, and I'm trying to get a little bit more clarification on that um, because I know that, that probably will be a question we're going we're gonna to get. So I'm definitely looking into that, and I think, but as it stands now and, and how... And, Based upon what we everything we've read and what the agency is saying, uh, yeah, you, you probably are unlikely going to be um, soloing on on the sixteenth birthday, or on your fourteenth if you're a glider right student, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, to our listeners that are picking up this podcast not long after it's published, today's uh, January fifteenth, two thousand sixteen. Uh, we do have an article that uh, just came out on our website. Uh, if you uh, go to our website, www.aopa.org, uh, down the left column, uh, there's an article t- uh, titled Advocacy, and the article full title is FAA Finalizes Rule on Student Certificates. You can click through there and uh, get some more related information, and uh, that article will eventually end up in the advocacy area. Well, if, right. unless there's anything else, thanks to all of you for joining me today in order to share these insights with our members. Welcome. Glad to be here. All right. Great. Thank you. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us as well. If you have any further questions on this topic or any other aviation-related area, as part of your AOPA membership, you can contact our Pilot Information Center staff Monday through Friday at 800-USA-AOPA. That's 800-872-2672. Then press option 2 on your phone. Or you can also email your questions to us at pilotassist at aopa.org. And finally, back to the website again. Don't forget to check out our website for this article and more at www.aopa.org. Thanks. We'll see you.